Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, we are back in the King's Place Hall 2, I think it was, uh, for Wrestle Me Live. This was actually recorded this time last year, uh, the 2018 version of the podcast festival. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and it all started, it all kicked off with... Um, a little bit of an ill-advised song. Uh, quick note, if you weren't there in the auditorium, the last frame shown on screen was a man called Chris Benoit. Um, we're going to start with a song. There's no two ways about it, and we'd we'll like to apologise for that now. Welcome to Wrestle Me Live. Uh, we start as the way we always do. Uh, Wrestle Me Pete. Wrestle Me Mark. Wrestle Me Audience. Wrestle Me. Thank you. Some of you have slightly got what I was going for, but I didn't explain <laughs> it. So I don't blame you. Um, welcome. Today we are going to go through SummerSlam 1992, the SummerSlam you thought you'd never see. Uh, what did you think of it, Pete? I thought it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the main headline act. Uh, but I mean, a lot, a lot of the other stuff is a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a kind of kind of funny position in the whole history of WWE. This. Mm. So again, it's one of those events that you get that's a pivot event. So pivot events don't really happen so much after WrestleManias because they bring new people in, they make changes. Mm. SummerSlam in the middle of the year, you begin to get more changes happening off the back of it. Right. So what you see in this one is because the main event goes so well, they change direction. Right. So we're seeing the last of the early 90s mad gimmicks 
the Vikings, the Native Americans, <laughs> the, the, the nasty boys, well, they're just nasty boys. <laughs> but we start seeing the end of that and they right. begin to change and they become the new generation. After that song, I think we're quite nasty boys, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling that song's probably not going to go out. <laughs> you reckon? I think that's very much an exclusive. <laughs> uh, unless someone's done it on a mobile phone. In which case, the low quality of the phone recording and the low quality videos, yeah. it will just look like there's been some kind of snuff video made. <laughs> Absolutely disgraceful. And we are in disguise, let's not forget. So everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is how uh, the whole thing uh, begins. I did download the torrent, so... <laughs> OK, so we hope you've had a great day. All the best, guys. Thanks for coming. We appreciate it. Um, uh, this is, this is uh, SummerSlam 92. Now, I'm going to quickly do this. Was anyone in this audience at SummerSlam 92? I can see two people. Just two people. Is, it, is anyone here? Put your hands up if you're over 40. So there's quite a few. I, I, did you want to go to SummerSlam when you were younger? You went, so... <laughs> I saw my dream, I achieved it, and I knocked it out of the park. What about you? Did you want to go? Did you know about it when you were younger? I got into wrestling the next year. You only got into wrestling the next year? Like, 93, 94, 95, the three worst years on record. <laughs> well done on sticking through. Um, it's, uh, I, I, I went there. I, I mean, it was a huge deal for me. And I was looking at this the other day. I was just working out how old I was mm. when I was at SummerSlam. And I thought I was probably about eight, because I was so sort of mad for it. And I was 16. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you could, and I used the word could, have sex. <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally not one woman there. <laughs> How times have changed. <laughs> and, uh, Enjoy yeah. the queue for the ladies' yeah. toilet, ladies. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was on my own, and I realise now, I thought back on this, and I thought, why didn't all my friends come? And the reality is, my friends had girlfriends and they, <laughs> they'd all moved on. So even though I came from a school where we were mad for wrestling, by this time, everyone had deserted me. Mm. And it's funny looking back on a sort of historical level because you look at it and you go, this really is the moment where it's not even the peak in England. This is the sort of the end of the rise. Yeah. And then there's a peak that just lasts for mm. years and years and years. Every time the WWE came to Britain, it would be a sellout. You yeah. used to struggle to get tickets so badly. The first time they'd come was in 1989. They did a big show in uh, the Docklands Arena. Mm. Uh, uh, it was organised because, oddly, Harvey uh, Goldsmith, the promoter, had been promoting Cindy Lauper. And she'd said, I've got a friend called Hulk Hogan. He does this wrestling thing. It's really big. <laughs> and they went, all right, well, let's see. Let's bring it over here. I've tried that line in bars. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and they had the first one in Docklands. Uh, they had a main event of Hulk Hogan versus Randy Savage. And it was one of the very, very few times that Hulk Hogan actually wrestled in Britain. Mm. They did a tour in 1993, and he wrestled three more times. He wrestled in Sheffield, uh, London, and uh, Scotland. And so his last match in Sheffield was actually his last match in the WWE until right. he returns around the time of WrestleMania 18. Um, but it, it's a really funny one, because what this is, is this is the big show that they've all been building up to. But it's also the first big WWF show that doesn't have Hulk Hogan in the main event. Right, OK. Before then, he's done every single one of them. And this one, he's gone. So they were a little bit concerned about whether or not it would sell. What, what this was, was not only a legitimate sellout, it sold out in 10 hours, or I think 10 hours they'd sold half the tickets, 20 hours completely sold out. Mm. They sold out, it was 80,355. 80, and for years, they had to say, that's our second biggest attendance. Because WrestleMania 3 was the famous figure, 93,000. Mm. The problem is, they'd lied 
about <laughs> WrestleMania 3. They wanted to make it look like a huge thing. They actually wanted to beat the attendance record that had been set at the uh, Pontiac Silverdome yes. by the Pope. And the Pope had got something like 85,000. And they went, well, we'll have 91, and then we, we can say we're bigger than the Pope. Mm. This one, it actually did a legitimate 83,000. And so for years, they had this huge record, which they've always had to say was second. Right, okay. So it, they really, they, they fucked this stupidly <laughs> up. It was the record, it was the most people who have ever been to a professional wrestling event in, outside North Korea. Mm. Uh, in <laughs> true fact, uh, it's the first professional wrestling event where people who wanted to go to it. <laughs> but that record stood for 21 years, and it wasn't beaten until uh, 2013. Uh, actually, no, there's only one. Sorry, it wasn't beaten until 2016, uh, when WrestleMania 32 got over 100,000. So this is one of the legitimate biggest wrestling crowds of all time. And uh, one of the people who were in that crowd uh, was this kid, who I love. <laughs> Can 16 years old, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Can a child have big dick energy? <laughs> like, I mean, he's... He's it's a... not a bad wrestling man. <laughs> Here he comes, it's big dick energy. <laughs> Watch out for his finisher. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, he's a child dressed as a, a controlling husband. Which <laughs> <laughs> is quite late. That said, if you do cut him into, like, the emotional Miss Elizabeth... WWE documentary that was aired a week after her death. While Elizabeth outwardly was a beautiful, happy woman, apparently her personal life was filled with turmoil. It takes on a... It just takes on more weight, doesn't it? That's not a beard. That's just British kids in the 90s. That's just dirt. <laughs> Dickensian. Dirty kids. Yeah. Um, the other person who was there, uh, there were some famous people there. Oddly, like here, I actually... I, I don't think I've ever met anyone Apart from you guys and the, the person who put their hand up there, I've never met anyone who's been who went to SummerSlam '92. Right. Okay. Uh, but there's 81,000 people <laughs> there, and I've never ever met one of them. I just I think it's a weird thing. It's it. You can see as well when they show footage of the crowd, mm. it looks beyond rammed. Mm. It looks like there's no seats there, and there are just thousands of people. Oh, it's insane. The other thing you notice is the foam fingers. Right? A lot of foam you see the foam fingers. Foam finger there. Respect is you. Nice. Undertaker one. Big <laughs> me. 85 quid on eBay, ladies and gentlemen. He's got a big foam finger and he's got some sunglasses on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying immensely. Fantastic. <laughs> they, um, this is actually also another record breaker, which is they uh, all in. Big independent mm. event that happened a couple of weeks ago. They were making a huge thing about the, the success of that was that Pro Wrestling Tees, who are a company who make wrestling t-shirts, they had sold, they, I think they made, I think it was half a million dollars, wasn't it, on the, on the, on the, mm. the day. This Wembley Stadium in 1992, they sold 1.2 million, not dollars, pounds <laughs> worth of merchandise Christ. in one day 1.2 million that was how mad everyone is no no one you can't find anyone who was there <laughs> insane well, the, the girl from little mix was <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> weird. Um, I've got a horrible image of me later meeting Little Mix at some point, and I'll have forgotten that was a joke. And I'll sidle up and go, so, one of the uh, rare people who attended SummerSlam 99, eh? Get this man oh, away wow. from me. my eyes really sting. <laughs> um, uh, there were a couple of wrestlers in attendance, yes. uh, British wrestlers. Uh, Andy Boy Simmons, uh, who was a uh, mainstay on the independence in Britain for a long, long time, and uh, Nigel McGuinness, mm. who you can currently hear on NXT, but he had a very long career in Ring of Honour and, uh, and the British independence as well. So they were just in the crowd? They were, just they were yeah. And also, I believe Robert Plant 
from Led Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah, he was there. He took his kids along. There's a photo. It's a good photo for the reason that his sons are wearing British Bulldog T-shirts. And the photo they've taken of the Bulldog is a much better posed by David Boy Smith than the one on the shirt. So <laughs> it looks like he's standing next to the promo photo and the real one is on his shirt because it's so bad. I said promo, right? Did I? Yeah, the promo. Yeah, we do promo. Fucking yes. We promo. I've been working on that for years. <laughs> uh, SummerSlam, of course, this year is brought to you by Ica Pro. Uh, <laughs> Vince says, for everybody that cares about their body. Yeah. Don't have Ica Pro. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the actual commentary team is, is Bobby the Brain Heenan. What are you doing with that ridiculous-looking crown on? Well, you little stupid peasant. I happen to be... Literally his employer. Bobby, the king of England. <laughs> Henry VIII would be rolling over in his grave, Bobby the Brain Heenan, if he could see this. Nonetheless, the only thing royal about you is you're a royal pain. And speaking of a pain, in whose corner is Mr. Perfect really going to be in? The Ultimate Warriors, or is he going to be in the corner of the Macho Man? <laughs> it's just, just such a soft kind of siren. <laughs> Would have been great if he'd just gripped his chest and carried on going backwards. <laughs> you also notice in this, they, they were really, really worried. This was one of the first big outdoor shows that they'd ever done. And they did one uh, back in the, in the 80s that was held in uh, Puerto Rico. Right. And it was... It chucked it down, yeah. and it really, really That's sort of ruined the show. risky in London, though, surely. And it was, and they were really, really anxious mm. about how it would turn out, and they actually got a beautiful day on mm. it. And it's a funny thing, everyone in the crowd, when you, when you watch it sort of on, on, the, on the network, you can see it a lot clearer, but everybody in the crowd just has one layer of clothing on. And it's <laughs> so a really weird rare. thing, like, British people only own a top <laughs> and some trousers. So as an American, you'd watch this and go, oh, isn't it sad? This poor third-world country, <laughs> all in their big stadium, watching Berserker. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I do remember one thing about it that, that you don't get on this, which is a lot of the fans around me, they weren't like the, the American fans. So you go into to an American one and everyone is... And also now with the independents, very respectful. Mm. Uh, and I remember this one because it was a bit of an event thing. There were lots of people there who didn't know much about wrestling. And I remember being surrounded by loads and loads of people who were all really into it, but in a British way that they didn't really understand it was panto. And there was just blokes behind me who'd be standing there going, fucking leather him, you puff! <laughs> the entire way out. Fucking stamp on his tits! You know, really mental. I remember sitting there the whole time, you know, you'd sort of be watching Rick the Model Martel coming in. That was, you should have heard that. <laughs> yeah, <girl>. Mental. <laughs> uh, should we get to the matches? Yes, let's get to the matches. Obviously, there were a couple of um, dark matches. My favourite subject is the idea <laughs> that they would spaff away matches and put that on the television. <laughs> um, it was the uh, it was Jim Duggan and the Bushwhackers beating the Mountie. Sorry to give you a result there. And the Nasty Boys. <laughs> Nasty Boys! And then uh, Tito Santana versus Papa Shango. I mean, to be honest, I watched it. The, the two most interesting things in these, in these matches were uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan uh, having a go at British women and um, <laughs> also um, thinking that Papa Shango's makeup was his actual face. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that, his flesh is coming off his face. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's old, just not. <laughs> poor old Tito Santana there, he's got his uh, El Matador gimmick which he really thought was going to propel him. He always says that when he was given that gimmick, mm. uh, Vince McMahon said to him, 
I'm going to make you the world champion. And, and, you know, I feel for Tito. Come on, I don't think that was ever said. <laughs> um, but this match originally, it wasn't supposed to be Tito Santana. There's a funny thing in this. They'd only just repackaged him. Right. And then he's losing on a big show. OK. Uh, and it was because the original person in this dark match was supposed to be the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich. Uh, by this point, Kerry Von Erich's drug addiction had really spiraled out of control. Mm. And there was no way that they were going to put him on a, on a big show. The last thing they wanted to do at SummerSlam would be to have an early match where one of the competitors was off their nut on drugs. <laughs> imagine that. <laughs> You're not going to have to imagine it in a minute because we're going to talk about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so the, the first match that we actually see on, on the actual pay-per-view is... The Legion of Doom uh, with Paul Ellering and Rocco versus Money Incorporated, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase and IRS with Jimmy Hart. Mm. Uh, worth pointing out, it's a long way to the ring. <laughs> it's a long way to yeah. the ring. Thank God I... Papa Shango wasn't doing his running here. <laughs> Still be going. Um, there's, it's a really, it's, it's actually, they get spectacle here. And mm. what you see later on, like with The Undertaker, is they yeah. begin going, how can we shorten the length of time it takes to get to the ring? So here, they give the Legion of Doom, who always had a sort of biker gimmick, they give them their motorcycles. Uh, there's a story that Animal has told for years. So Animal and Hawk are the members of the Legion of Doom here. And... Animal's always told a story that Hawk was completely out of it that day. He is completely out of it that day. That's agreed. Everyone knows that. Mm. And he tells a story about how Hawk, as they got off their motorbikes, Hawk just let the motorbike fall and it hits Animal on the leg and it burns him. And he's sort of going, all of my type is just melded into my leg. Mm. It's absolute bullshit. <laughs> it's it absolute happen. shit. It doesn't happen at all. And when you watch it, he's not even close to it. <laughs> yeah, and there's, there's a, a bizarre thing. Again, this is a SummerSlam that's bookended. There's, there's lots of things where you go, oh, yeah, that's just like this. And it happens again <laughs> in the main event, where one of the wrestlers, Bret Hart, uh, says that, oh, the British Bulldog was completely out of it, couldn't do a thing, couldn't move. I had to carry him the whole way. And when you watch it, you go, it's patently not true. <laughs> He's really patently not true. It. So there's a funny bit where, they, where <laughs> you know, animals are often... Now, Hawk is going through really, really bad times here. Mm. He's having terrible, terrible uh, drug addiction. There's a, a story um, in 1987 he began taking rhesus monkey hormones. Uh, they were very, very big in the bodybuilding community at the time. I mean, that is a very specific monkey, isn't it? Like, <laughs> like, I won't take no woolly monkey. Yeah. <laughs> These are chimp hormones. <laughs> uh, no, it's not a monkey. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Hawk told his then boss, Bill Watts, he said every morning his first thought when he woke up would be that he wanted to kill someone. And Bill Watts said to him, well, that's a wonderful way to live. <laughs> um, uh, Hawk knew he was on borrowed time here as well. He'd, um, he'd failed. He'd been suspended twice for drug test failures. Right, OK. At this point, we're getting to the point where they're building up a case, a federal case against Vince McMahon for a criminal conspiracy of distributing steroids. The basic charge is that he said, if you want to wrestle with me, you're going to have to have an amazing physique. And to do that, you take steroids. Now, that was the charge put against him. At this point, it's all brewing. Hawk has just failed. He's been suspended twice mm. for two drug failures. And before they come out to SummerSlam, he's failed a third one. He's not told Animal. And Animal's continual employment within the company relies on being with Hawk. Yeah. This, this tag team are the biggest tag team of the 1980s. They're going into the 90s, and this is the moment Hawk has failed the drug test where it all goes wrong. And it doesn't go wrong just because of Hawk being on drugs. It goes wrong because of Rocco, the inanimate ventriloquist's dummy. Really? <laughs> Hawk hates Rocco so much, <laughs> right? Animal hates Rocco so much. 
Uh, Animal says it was Vince McMahon's idea. And the idea was, he said, you're seen as being two very frightening guys. You're really tough. You're let's, really strong. Let's soften your edges. Let's soften your toy. edges. What would be the easiest way to do that? It would be for you to return in a vignette shown on television to your childhood home where you recover your long-lost best friend, the ventriloquist dummy, Rocco. Well, well, well here is uh, Animal on what happened to Rocco on the way back. That doll never made it back from London, I'll tell you that much. He reckons he burned him. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just Rocco that didn't make it back from London. No. It was Hawk. So, <laughs> Hawk, after this match, he walked out. Uh, they didn't team again for four years. Hawk went straight to Amsterdam with Jim the Anvil Neidhart, who died mm. very recently. Uh, they spent a wild weekend of abandon out there. Not in a sexual way, <laughs> I don't think. I mean, this is Europe. <laughs> you'd have to take quite a lot of drugs to get it on with Jim Neidhart, <laughs> uh, especially now. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I really thought I was going to be too soon. <laughs> These people are used to wrestling. They, they, they know it's never too soon because there's going to be another one along in a minute. Their, their hearts are just covered in a thick layer of insulation, like many wrestlers in many ways. <laughs> um, Hawk comes back to England, not wrestling at all, and he actually joined a local chapter of the Hells Angels. Amazing. And he just spent some months in England biking about. Um, they, they never actually had a, a big run like they'd had before the Road Warriors. This was really it for them. They came back four years later, um, diminishing returns. Mm. There was a, a terrible uh, angle he did in the Attitude Era about Hawk's problems, where he would turn up pretending to be drunk while probably drunk. I mean, it was really, really tasteless. And they, it really tarnished the legacy. And all that moment comes down to is a lot of people will say... It's Vince McMahon putting his sort of ruining a team that he didn't create. And because yeah. he doesn't create them, he always wants to slightly spoil them. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, I mean, don't get too serious because uh, we've got that guy. Uh, <laughs> and, and also Hawk doing talk. It's 6th of August. Yeah. 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 
Don't talk to me. I'm doing coke. Just watch the bottom left. It turns the lead round. <laughs> Hello, little cheeky boy. What's going on there? <laughs> <laughs> it really makes you want to be there, isn't it? <laughs> What's it like backstage, guys? Well, it's a living nightmare. <laughs> I'd love that to have cut back to Mean Gene. <laughs> oh, looks like well, we're a little bit early there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the match itself is, is pretty bad. It is quite funny as well that they go, the, 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 you know, the puppet is a tipping point for us. Mm. That's something that, you know, we actually feel is undignified. They're wrestling IRS, the artificial tax man. <laughs> <laughs> in a thing. There's an interesting part here. I don't know quite what happens with the match, but right at the end, they go to do their big doomsday device finisher, mm. where Animal puts you up on your shoulders and Hawk comes off with the clothesline. And they do it on, uh, I think it's uh, Ted DiBiase, but there's a sort of kerfuffle. IRS gets involved, and then immediately afterwards, Animal does a power slam on DiBiase and pins him. Mm. And it looks like something kind of went on. I couldn't quite work out what it was. And the only thing I could think it might be, and this is pure conjecture, is that the Million Dollar Man didn't want to take their finishing move. Right, okay. uh, the reason for that being, and quite understandably, he, his stepfather was a guy called Iron Mike DiBiase. And Iron Mike DiBiase is one of the wrestlers who died in the ring. Right. He actually had his neck broken and, and died while he was competing. So ah. you sort of understand. Yeah, you know, I guess All so. that money. In his, in his lovely, tighty whities Ted DiBiase's um, son, who I wasn't familiar with, obviously you guys will probably be quite aware of the guy. Um, there's a wonderful interview um, where he talks about his, uh, his favourite moment in Ted DiBiase, his father's career. A career that spans 40 years of wrestling in and out of the ring, like being, you know, one of the biggest names in wrestling. Huge, and, and, huge. and this is what his favourite moment is of his dad's career. My favourite moment involving my dad is when he made the little kid bounce the basketball 15 times. If he went for 40 years. 15 times, he would give him $500. Well, on the 14th time, the kid bounced the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Good timing. That's the <laughs> that is good timing. That's his favourite moment. Yeah. Yeah, look at his face. <laughs> it's worth saying, just because I know there'll be a couple of people who are sitting here who are waiting, who are screaming it out, but the gangly kid that you see kissing his foot in that little right. video for money uh, is, grew up to be Rob Van Dam. Oh. The big, uh, the big uh, superstar of the 2000s. Good news. Yes. Um, I Hawk... don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you will do. You've probably got, how long is it? Probably about four months. Yeah, this the... project hasn't got legs. <laughs> <laughs> um, worth noting as well, of course, um, uh, Hawk died. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, Good. He, uh, Good. Yeah. He, uh, he died in 2003. He was uh, 46 years old. By wrestling standards, a ripe old age. Give a round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> um, he... Uh, I've made a note there, he died while he was packing boxes for a house move, but uh, I obviously didn't check that to see if it was worth repeating in front of the crowd. <laughs> Crazy. Wrestlers are allowed to move house, Mark. Yes, I don't know why right. you have a big problem with that. <laughs> um, Bobby, Bobby at one point uh, says, uh, he, doesn't like he doesn't look like Hawk to me, he looks like a dirty old pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is a beautiful kind of London wrestling name. <laughs> the dirty old pigeon. <laughs> Finishing move, the mangled foot. <laughs> Fantastic. I love it when Pete starts booking. Yeah. Properly love it. it will, if you imagine a booker who's only watched the first 12 WrestleManias. <laughs> so good. Um, we then cut to Mean Gene Oakland interviewing Ric Flair. Yes. Um, worth pointing out as well this SummerSlam, the, for the guys who come out here, this is like a holiday. Uh, originally, it was going to be this SummerSlam was going to take place in Maryland, uh, ah. and there was going to be that the, the, the main event would have been Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels in a ladder match. Right. But then this Wembley date started being mooted by Harvey Goldsmith, and 
they thought this might be worth taking a punt on. When that came up, Vince McMahon said to Bret Hart, how do you feel about us doing it in Britain? And Bret Hart said, well, if I'm doing it in Britain, why don't we do it where Davy Boy Smith wins the Intercontinental Championship mm. in front of everyone? So it began picking up. I think it's worth saying they did, probably didn't sell this. Uh, this would have sold out anyway, mm. whatever they put on. And in all of the, the actual advertising, Bret Hart and Bulldog, even though it goes on last, is not seen as the main event. The main right. event is your uh, Savage versus uh, Warrior. Right, OK. But the one thing about this is because they've taken it out of America, everybody is acting like they're on holiday. <laughs> so Bret Hart's book mentions everybody spends all night just getting shit-faced in hotels. <laughs> and this Ric Flair interview, he's known for being one of these guys, he would party all night and then he'd be up at 7am in the gym mm. and he didn't seem to be any worse for the wear. In this one, he has got eyes like rabbits they do experiments on. <laughs> they are... They are pink like your gums. It's absolutely <laughs> disgusting. He also keeps saying the word disgruntled. Which, <laughs> he just learned one it. of those words that pops in your head, and then when you're a bit hungover, you just go, did I say it five times? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, me and Jean uh, is actually chatting to, uh, G uh, chatting to Ric Flair, who's not on the bill. He's just there, isn't he? Is, yeah, I, rem I remember when I went, I was really annoyed that he wasn't wrestling. Mm. I was <laughs> fucked off it was the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> Awful. Annoyed. Well, Mean Gene, when he's interviewing uh, Ric Flair, he courts Winston Churchill, which I think is just a beautiful moment. Enough is enough. Like the great Winston Churchill once said, now is the time. And now is the time we demand to know the whereabouts of Mr. Perfect for SummerSlam. Classic Winston <laughs> Churchill. <laughs> 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 Proper joke. Proper joke. <laughs> Man, there's a bit right after this where you, they do a shot of the stadium and you can see there's a Capital Radio banner hanging yes. over one of the things. And clearly, we, we both used to work for, for Capital, the company that owned Capital, and we know what they're like. And what had obviously happened is they'd been given a load of comps by Harvey Goldsmith because of the music <laughs> thing. And they'd said, if you're going, you have to take the banner. Right? So when the camera comes round, make sure you've chucked it out. They're clearly nothing to do with the actual sponsorship. <laughs> uh, amazing. Well done, guys. A proper wrestling carny thing to do. <laughs> Take advantage of hospitality. <laughs> uh, second match is Nails versus Virgil. Um, Nails there. <laughs> what the fuck is up with him? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to dress you as him next live show. <laughs> um, Nails, he is absolutely disgusting, isn't he? <laughs> He's like a sort of Jeffrey Dahmer. Well, it's... It, the match was shit. Like, yeah. oh, warmed shit. up shit. It was so much... There were so many chokes. Everyone was just choking each other. Yep. I don't understand. He's an escaped convict. Yep. And he comes to a really big wrestling competition. He's still dressed like a convict. He's got access to a nightstick. Yep. Why has he still got his prison clothes on? Yep. Virgil's doing promos about being too legit to quit, which is an <laughs> yes. MC Hammer song from the previous summer. <laughs> it was just, it's all over the place. He, he also on. doesn't have music, which is never a good sign until you're going to have a long <laughs> We're not writing the music. They haven't gone after that. Um, this is, is, actually, this is one of the worst things you will ever see in your life. Mm. I mean, absolutely, <laughs> unironically, this, this match goes for three <laughs> minutes and 55 seconds, and the only thing that happens is Nails does a choke on yes. Virgil. And he chokes him here and he chokes him there. And then he the chokes him freaking everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, he just, uh, you know, a blatant chokehold, says Vince McMahon, yeah. which <laughs> he's going to say again very soon. Right. This match, which is shit, and mm. it lasts less than four minutes and it stinks up the joint and it's crap, is the most important match in modern wrestling history. Right. Because of this guy. Now, a couple of things you need to know about Nails before I tell you the story. Nails had a voice on television they distorted. So when he'd speak, he would say, 
I know what you've done. And the reason it was all garbled was because in real life, he has a very, very high voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of up here! So they were like, that doesn't work for a prisoner. <laughs> this match, which goes three minutes 55, Nails feels he's underpaid. Right. And I believe how much he got for that 355 of the shittest wrestling you've ever seen. <laughs> that, honestly, honestly, you could do now. You could do this and you would be no worse. He got about $8,000. Right, OK. And he was furious because he said, there's 80,000 people there, I got $8,000, I deserve more. Mm. So when they're back in the States, he confronts Vince McMahon and he ends up starting to throttle him. <laughs> a blatant chokehold! <laughs> and he begins throttling him. And Bret Hart walks past the room and I believe... The berserker John Nord is waiting at the door. He knew Nails from way back. And Nails went in and basically beat the shit out of Vincent Mann, choked Christ. him into unconsciousness over this money. Uh, Bret Hart said he walked past and he didn't quite know what was going on because Nails was screaming about his money, but because his voice is so high-pitched, <laughs> he thought it was a woman. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens is Nails is, is fired immediately. Uh, when they rush in to stop him attacking Vince McMahon, he immediately turns around to the police who come to arrest him and say, says, Vince McMahon sexually touched me. He, he was molesting me. <laughs> I was walking through the room awful. and Vince McMahon began grabbing me in a sexual fashion. Right. Now, this didn't go anywhere. He's been to prison. So. <laughs> <laughs> this, this didn't go anywhere. He gets torn off. Uh, he ends up going for one match in WCW as the prisoner. Uh, so if you imagine this, but instead of the word nails, it says the prisoner. That was the gimmick. Uh, they, WWF lawyers say this is one of our trademarks, take it off. What happens in 1994, when the government are doing the steroid trial against Vince McMahon, they get nails in. And nails is a bit unhinged. He is still alive, so I'm going to say he's not unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I want is him choke-holding me for three minutes and 55. Um, and he basically, the government bring him up. Yeah. And the government have, have got a, a, a slight problem with the people who come up seem di like disgruntled ex-employees. Now, no-one is more of a disgruntled ex-employee than Nails. And the WWF's lawyers say to him... Um, he, he says, Vince McMahon said, I had to go on steroids. He said, get on the gas. I heard him say it to everybody else. Uh, there was some inconsistencies in his testimony. People who he said he heard Vince McMahon saying it to weren't working there at the same time as him. But what happens is the WWF's lawyers says, let me put it to you that you actually really hate Vince McMahon. And Nails replies, I hate his fucking guts. <laughs> <laughs> on the stand. What happens there is a lot of the legitimacy of these people is lost. <laughs> because Vince McMahon has said, these are all just bitter ex-employees who have got personal grudges, and what they are saying is untrue. <laughs> they are doing it to put me away. And Nails is the moment where the government's case falls apart. Right. Without Nails, Vince McMahon, in all <laughs> likelihood, would have gone to prison for eight years. The WWF would have been entirely different. The money from it would have all disappeared. There's every chance it would have actually folded. Mm. So this shitty match, the shittiest match you can ever see, because it was so bad, and because Vince McMahon didn't want to pay more for it than he'd agreed, saves wrestling. Yay! <laughs> and... The number of deaths that followed. <laughs> uh, just one last thing. It's the thing I noticed as well when I was reading through some of the court transcripts, and I legitimately do that. I'm not, <laughs> that's, like, fun reading for me. Um, Affa, who was a big Samoan guy, he was a manager of the Head Shrinkers at the time, and they brought him in to testify, mm. and he was actually on the side of Vince McMahon, and he ruined his testimony by when he sat down, he looked at the jury, and he's huge, he's really frightening. He looked at the jury and started mouthing, not guilty. <laughs> <laughs> Not guilty. <laughs> yeah.
He sat down, they got rid of him. Maybe, uh, maybe he'd been in a court before. As like the defendants. <laughs> that would not surprise me. They were the Samoans were famous brawlers. Right. They, that's how they got into the business was brawling with the wrestlers. <laughs> and until the wrestlers used to take so much punishment for them, they were like, "Do you want to train to be a wrestler?" <laughs> uh, which they did. A huge, uh, hugely sort of popular, long-lasting wrestling family. The, mm. the Samoans, obviously, uh, The Rock, uh, Jimmy Snooker. Um, I've gone a bit blank after Jimmy Snooker because I always... Uh, I, bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, it's problematic, isn't it? Really it's problematic. problematic. <laughs> yeah. um, before the uh, next match uh, really gets going, uh, we get our VT with our very favourite man. Hey. I have been investigating the whereabouts of Mr Perfect since he arrived on the scene with Ric Flair. On the scene? <laughs> I cannot confirm the rumours that he is actually inside the macho man's dressing room. The Marshall Man. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred, it's literally written on the fucking door. <laughs> you might notice something here, and this is only something I actually found out about the other day, but you'll notice Alfred is, is not as tall as he was. Right, OK. And in 1990, so two years before this, he was hit by a car outside WWE corporate headquarters. And he went over the bonnet. It wasn't driven by gold dust, was it? <laughs> <laughs> and, he, um, <laughs> and he had four vertebrae removed. I'm still laughing. There was no way to stop the laughter <laughs> before I got to the sad That's bit. That's too many vertebrae. Too, far you? too many. But he is actually a lot shorter here. What's wow. really funny is if you go on Google Street View to see what is on the other side of the road that he was trying to cross, I thought, I wonder where he was going. <laughs> it's just a place called Booze Barn. <laughs> <laughs> It's the only building there. Oh. They've promised me a box of wine. <laughs> a box of wine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this next match is wonderful. I love this a lot. Um, Rick Martel versus Shawn Michaels with sensational Sherry. It's heel versus heel. What's going on here? Very rare, very yeah. rare. It's, it's heel versus heel matches are difficult to do because the audience don't know quite who to root for. Yeah. And in this, what you can actually see, if you were Rick Martel, you'd be a bit worried about this. Mm. They begin rooting for Rick Martel, and that's because Shawn Michaels has got more heel heat, right. which is a bit of a sad thing. But this okay. is a match where, again, Sensational Sherry gets to be a big part of the performance. Mm. And she is such an underrated performer. I think, you know, when it comes to the 80s and early 90s, I don't think you could look at the body of work that one person did in, in the WWF, maybe with the exception of Randy Savage, possibly Shawn Michaels, and Bret Hart. I mean, there's about 20 people. <laughs> <I'm gonna name laughs> what I'm saying is that Sherry is good. <laughs> she really is. She really well, is she, good. Well, well, before the match gets going, we get a taste of how the model operates. And there's some beautiful, cheesy acting. If that were not enough, a guest appearance ringside by a very arrogant model, Rick Martel. As he observes the action, you look at him, he looks at the action, and he looks at you. What? And I couldn't help detect, Sherry, that the model very affectionately gave you a wink. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were a little alarmed initially, but later on, our cameras were fortunate enough to pick up. Yes, I believe you... You were waking up. <laughs> <laughs> My work and here is done. Sensational Jerry. Goodness sakes alive, I couldn't believe it. He, he does have a look of Matt LeBlanc, and it's exactly the sort of thing you could see as a, an extra in sort of Joey, where he was forced to be a professional wrestler. And that would be an intentionally badly acted segment. Yes. You know, it's a, Rick Martel, I mean, as the model, he was great. Mm. I absolutely love the fact, I think you can just see it there in that lower corner. That's the badge on it that says, yes, I am a model. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. You like, might be yes. thinking. 
Are you a model? <laughs> yes, I am a model. Um, Sherry starts this match as well by showing off a real sort of feat of strength, which is she has to carry Shawn Michaels' mirror all the way down that long entrance to the ring. <laughs> and mirrors are the heaviest thing on earth. <laughs> you know, they couldn't have given her a hand mirror. It's about four foot tall. Um, um, but she's so good in this match. Oh, she's, she's so good. She's fantastic. And, like, <laughs> it's really hard because she is brilliant. Uh, the commentators have a hard time talking about her without mentioning her costume. Yeah. It's a European cut, let's say. Yeah. Her arse is out, basically. That's yeah. the situation. <laughs> but um, Bobby sort of goes uh, at one point, maybe Sherry promised these two wrestlers something. Maybe a date. Maybe a... And I've never seen a man try so hard not to say blowjob. I've never... <laughs> it's incredible. It is obscene. <laughs> You've not been out for a drink with me? <laughs> <laughs> little, word on, uh, little word on Shawn Michaels' uh, waistcoat. I, I think it might be wearing him a bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This is around the time where he's beginning to think, I might be the biggest star in the business. And right. this is all just going... Yeah. He, is, he is so good at this period. I mean, uh, do you know what? You, you'd look at this and you go, he's, he's an absolute star in this match, if it weren't for the fact that I think Sherry is just... She mm. carries so much of this. She's fantastic. She has such a th thankless job. And she, there's bits where she faints and then she has to pretend she's not fainted. And they basically fight over her all the way to the back. She, she goes down on the corner of the ring as well. I was like, oh, bloody hell. She really that's does. There's, there's a, there's, <laughs> the other thing that's great about this is because you're watching it with, like, a British audience, mm. and there's a lot of kids in British and European audiences, probably more so than in the States, and the kids... When she falls down, they really laugh. <laughs> <laughs> like that. And every move she does, the crowd really react to it. Yeah, and that, yeah. that stops it looking ridiculous. <laughs> it looks absolutely brilliant. I love this match. Um, she is... She is uh, doing this, I'd never actually thought about it. I, th I think I've said this in the podcast before. But having done this and watched all these again, mm. she's someone who really sticks out that I just think if you want to know what, what is unique about wrestling and how some people are really good at what they do versus someone who's bad. If you watch Sensational Sherry, you just will be amazed. It's like you said before, when you were a kid, you didn't really sort of like her, but now when you sort of grow up, you're like, God, she's pinning this whole thing together. Yeah, it's she really is. She, she works so hard. Um, there's a bit at the end where they're carrying her back, mm. and um, Rick Martel comes out with a bucket of water that he's found backstage, and he pours it over her, and she sort of screams. Um, I just, I was thinking, knowing what wrestling is like, that bucket would not just contain water. <laughs> that would be... <laughs> that would, if, if Hawk has pissed in it, it's what's known in the trade as wet cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, um, there's, a, there's a lovely moment in the middle of the match where um, the commentary team is talking about, uh, the, the, you know, the costumes, you know, the, the matches going on, and Bobby Heenan is clearly whistling Sean's sexy boy <laughs> theme tune in the background. And it's just... This went out on telly. As you said earlier, she's soft, all right. <laughs> oh my goodness, what happened to... People paid for this. a part of Sherry's outfit that's missing, I believe. <laughs> yes, is. Whistling away. She is brilliant. Too bad. She's brilliant. Look at how she lifts the heft of that mirror. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about it for us once again. Part two coming at you uh, next week. Wrestle me, Mark. That's on me, Pete. And where can you see the Football Ramble on tour? Well, it's a very good point, Mark. Uh, you can see me on the Football Ramble tour everywhere from Northampton to Bournemouth to Blumen High Wycombe, quite frankly, and somewhere calling itself New York City. RambleLive.com. That's RambleLive.com. Uh, it might be about football, that uh, particular podcast, but it's also about broken men living their worst lives, much like this show. 
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, Drew Scott here. And I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.